What is up and welcome into the SBI Rundown. Thank you for joining us today, talking about that U.S. men's national team victory over Panama on Monday in Austria. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, Ivis Galarsep. And, and I got to say, Ivis, when uh, when Panama went up 1-0, I was like, oh, man, this is, this is going to be a tough show for us to record. But thankfully, U.S. came through and uh, took care of business against Panama on Monday. It was definitely not the ideal start, but uh, the one good thing about that slow start was the fact that we got to see how that young team responds and it, and they responded pretty well. So, you know, if you're Greg Berhalter, you got to feel pretty good about that. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't help, but as soon as Panama scored, I just, I, I let out a laugh. I was like, of course the U S holds Wales scoreless, but gives up the first goal to Panama. I just like, I, it was like just poetic the way it happened for the U S but, but yeah, the response was good. It was very positive for the U S I'm sure there was a little PTSD for some U.S. Yes, fans, yes, anytime, anytime you give up an early goal in a game you're supposed to win, you're gonna get some flashbacks. It's still, it's still fresh in the memory. But, uh, but yeah, no, you know, like, it was interesting. I, I gotta say, and and you always wonder how kids are gonna respond. And we can call them kids. This was the third youngest team, third youngest starting lineup in U.S. national team history. And uh, you kind of, you kind of wondered when they gave up that goal. Okay. How are they going to do? Are they going to shake it off? Are they going to say, screw that? Or are they going to collapse? And they really, honestly, they showed me, they showed me the, 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 the you know, the heart and the backbone that, that you mm -hmm. kind of expect. Cause they, they're fearless, man. This is a fearless group of kids that, you know, there's a reason that there, there's so many of them are excelling at high level clubs, because I mean, you got to be fearless to climb up that ladder that quickly. So from that standpoint, it wasn't really that surprising that they responded the way they did. You're definitely right. Well, I definitely felt like the first goal for Panama definitely kind of ignited the U.S. of, okay, all right, the game has started, Panama's up, we need to focus, right? Scoring three goals in eight minutes helped them out. I mean, U.S., you look at the first half, I mean, after that goal dominated. Second half, you know, Panama came out a little bit stronger, uh, you know, put the U.S. on the ropes a little bit, and then, and then you know, once subs started coming in, you knew the game was going to open up. Um, you know, Panama did keep a little bit closer with, with that second goal, but look, in, in any other situation where you're you're not bringing in subs left and right for both teams, right? It's going to be a little bit more, you're not going to have these openings like we're going to see, but, but again, props to the U S players who did come in in the second half, they delivered as well, um, especially late. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit. I mean, Soto with the brace off the bench. I mean, plenty to talk about today. I have lots, lots of positives around for the U S. Uh, you, you've, you've talked about the whole game already, so we could just wrap it up already. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> right. Well, okay, first we'll, things we'll, first. Let's talk yeah, about go, the go, line, go. starting lineup. You're getting into the subs already. Let's talk about the starting lineup and how they responded. That's the bread and butter. That's the headliners. And mm -hmm. I tell you what, they look pretty damn good. Yeah, no, they definitely did. Um, and you definitely did. Yeah, I saw some changes right there. I mean, you, you kept mentioning this the last couple of weeks. Dest playing that left back. Uh you know, I think a lot of people were a little upset with that, but we got to see a Reggie Cannon. People, don't say a lot of people. A couple of people a couple were making people? a thing about it. And a a lot of vote, a couple of people. And they were being really annoying about it because it's kind of like if Sergio Des can start at left back for Barcelona, I think he can play left back for the U.S. national team. I mean, you know, it's a little, you know. So I had no I had no surprise that he would go there and play well. And and com and his com combining with Giorain on that left was a thing of beauty, especially in the first half. I mean, you know, if you if you didn't get as a U.S. fan, if you didn't get excited at watching the Reina Desk combo work their work together, they'd never played before this camp, and they you would think they played together for years. Yeah. Uh, well, on the other side, you had Reggie Cannon starting at right back. 
Um, and, you, and you saw a little bit about his quality, right? He multiple times throughout the match, Ivis was able to get in the final third for the U.S., delivered some crosses in there. And you definitely saw better showing with this combination of Dest and Cannon versus last week's with Anthony Robinson and Serginio Dest. Now, Robinson did have some moments in the previous game, but compared to this game, right, where you definitely saw a little more stability at the fullback position between Cannon and Dest. Right. I mean, you know, Anthony Robinson, we saw the struggles that he had. And look, what it comes down to it is Dest, the, there is not a real drop-off between Dest at right back and Dest at left back. Does he, is he obviously more natural as a right back? Of course, he's right-footed. Uh, I, I actually asked Greg Berhalter about that, about kind of the difference between the two. And, you know, is there much of a drop-off between right back and left back? And he pretty much said, you know, he can do both jobs. And obviously, if you're Dest uh, being right-footed, on the left side, you're going to kind of be uh, predisposed to maybe cutting inside, feeling just to get on your natural right foot. But the thing with Dest is Dest, Dest takes people on. He, he runs at people on the dribble. He's not necessarily a guy who's delivering pinpoint crosses left and right. The crossing isn't necessarily the highlight of his game. So from that standpoint, if he moves over to the left, he can still take people on. He can still combine. He can still make those smart runs. Uh, and we saw that. We saw him combine with, with Reina, and, and it was just you, – you saw all the skill that he brings to the table, obviously with the speed that he has to recover defensively yeah. as well. So he ticks all the boxes. And what I would say to the folks who are kind of like, oh, he should play right back. He's so good. He's one of the best in the world at right back in theory, right? I get that. And what I would say to that is, you know, it's not a case of, oh, Reggie Cannon is, uh, you, know, the, the, you know, the best right back in the world. But for right now, Cannon Dest is better than any other current fullback mm -hmm. combination you're going to come up with, at least in terms of fitting into this system. Is that always going to be the case? No. I think there's actually quite a few really talented left backs in the pipeline that, you know, you talk Chris Gloster, Kobe Hernandez Foster, George Bello. There's a lot of young guys, Sam Vines and MLS. There's some good left backs coming up. You got to think one or two of them is going to emerge as, as someone who really can compete and be good enough to push Cannon out of that starting lineup. But for right now, Cannon gives you, you know, more than enough. And he's getting better. He's in, he's in Portugal now playing every week in a better league. And, you know, as he was not afraid to say, <laughs> point out that Portugal is a better league than MLS. So he's improving and, and not to throw away Anthony Robinson and not to write him off and say though, he's done. He had a shaky game again and he's, he's washed up. He's never going to get another chance. Anthony Robinson could still get another chance, but for right now, you know, if qualifying was next week or if qualifying was even next month, Destin Cannon would be your fullbacks. Yeah, well, I think people always forget to the, the bigger picture thing here. And the bigger picture is the U.S. needs to qualify for the World Cup, right? And Greg Berhalter has to identify the best 11, then additional couple guys on the bench that can deliver for that for the U.S. to get to the World Cup, which are three games. And if Dest gives you the best option to win at World Cup qualifying, at the World Cup, you play him at left back with Cannon at right back. That's just the reality. That's how it works. You play the guys that are going to get you the victories, even though it's not their quote-unquote natural positions or whatever position you think that they fit in. It's not how it works, right? I mean, if, if John Brooks all of a sudden becomes the best striker in the world, it's never going to happen, right? But you put him up top if you can score goals, right? I mean, but if that helps you win, right? I, I know that's a crazy scenario that would never happen, but but you got to do what you can to help your team win. That's the most important thing. Here's the thing. Cannon has played right back. In some good games. He's, I mean, the semifinals and the finals of the Gold Cup, 
you know, he he held his own. He's played. He's already been thrown into some pretty good um, situations to to prove himself, and he's proven himself. He's shown he can handle it. And you know, he, until the day comes that Anthony Robinson is really clearly ready to to do what needs to be done. And again, Anthony Robinson's issue is, you know, technically he's not there. Reggie Cannon is there technically, as we saw. He can deliver good crosses. He can defend well. Gets up and down. He obviously reads the game really well. So he takes all the boxes right now at right back to allow you to put Dest at left back. They're going to definitely be contenders to come in and fight for those spots. But for right now, it's Dest and Cannon. Dest for me, I mean, Dest is, Dest is going to be a starter one way or the other for the, for, for, you know, for the next oh, 10 yeah. years, probably. I mean, knock on wood, all goes well. I mean, he's just that good. Um, but I'm excited to see some of these other young left backs get their opportunities coming up, whether it's in the under twenties or even Olympic qualifying there, there are these other left backs that are going to push into the picture. So no one's saying Reggie Cannon pencil him in for Qatar. He's going to start if the U S qualifies. Um, but he's right now, he's right now in a good position. So, and he's, you know, you know what it is. I guarantee I'm telling you, it, it still comes down to there's certain people who, who, when it comes to anyone that has any sort of MLS, DNA, they get written off. It's like, oh, he played in MLS, he's trash, or he, he's not as good. Or or the real, you know, well, Robinson plays in the Premier League, Reggie Cannon plays in the Portuguese League. So can, Robinson is clearly better than Reggie Cannon. That's just not how it works, folks. It's not how it works at all. So, you know, um, for one of these days, people will figure this out. But for now, Destin Cannon is your tandem. You know, I, I think that's why I laughed when Panama scored the first goal because I think either right before it or right after they showed a stat that showed all the pa- uh, Panama players that did play in MLS. I was like, God, if Panama wins, how do these guys who trash MLS defend the fact that here's Panama with mostly MLS guys defeating uh, a European base? I don't know. It's just yeah. well, you know the what they'll do. Honest, Those guys, insane. the people who trash the people who trash MLS will blame Greg Berhalter because Greg Berhalter <laughs> yeah, yeah, is that's MLS. What it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. you cover it either way. It's 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 a no. You know, it's a you, can't yeah, you always find something. <laughs> they always find an excuse, but you know, it is what it is, man. It, it's it a is. young team, very young team, you know. And it, what's funny, it, it wasn't even the young players who kind of blew the assignments on the on the opening goal. You had, Ken, yep. Cannon could have put a little more pressure on the cross. Miazga and Reem, you know, they they lost their communication on who had the striker. So it's just a fleeting play. And a credit credit to Panama, good cross, good run good header and sometimes that happens um but again it gave the u.s opportunity to respond and they responded great i mean you know they rattled off three goals in eight minutes um Mm -hmm. and not you know giorena Yunus musa sergio des and nicholas giochini i mean they all they all stepped up and showed some real quality i was gonna i think that's a perfect transition right Ivis, for us to talk about the forwards right here and and you mentioned that right the u.s scored in the 18th minute 22nd 26 i mean it came in a flurry Reina scored on the free kick, first goal for him. Uh, you know, congratulations to him. Uh, third member of his family to score for the for the, for for senior national teams. Um, and Is then it? and then Nick, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't know that. I mean, I know he was the third youngest player to score. I didn't realize that. Well, obviously, his father has scored, and yeah, I mean, I would imagine his mother has also scored. Yeah, his, so, his, yeah, his, yeah. his mom. I, there was a status. So I think his mom scored a year before his father did. So, so pretty, nice. pretty, pretty cool. I'm sure he never hears. I'm sure that he never be, hears the end of that. No, I'm sure he won't. I'm sure he won't. Uh, but you mentioned it right there. Nicholas uh, Giacchini, a brace for him. What did you see out of him in this match, Ivis? I thought he was really impressive. I got to say, for the first, you know, the first chance to really see him. I mean, obviously, he came on uh, against Wales and, and showed some things late, uh, you know, as a second half substitute. But in this game, 
you can tell he's he, he number one you can tell that he was motivated at the fact that he didn't get to start in that Wales game you know it because you know he's sitting there on the bench in the Wales game thinking like you really couldn't start me and, and you start this midfielder in a false nine like what is going on so I'm sure that motivated him um number two like it's pretty clear Greg Berhalter had some messages for his attack after the Wales game. And one of the big messages was people need to do a better job of making runs off the ball. Um, there wasn't enough, there wasn't enough off the ball movement. There weren't the, the, the runs needed to get smarter. And you, you and you saw Giacchini making some really good runs to put himself in position, dangerous positions over and over. Uh, and he's also showed he, he's a, he's fearless. I mean, on the second goal, he, he got his head in there, uh, you know, risking life and limb to 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 get that header and and he scored it. And so he he showed me a player who, you know, when a coach wants something, he 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 will do what the coach uh, asks. And and he has that he has that strength, he has that quality and and that intelligence. Uh, and and he also impressed in his post game interview. He's a pretty sharp guy. So uh, he's he's uh, announced himself as a legitimate candidate in that striker competition. He definitely right. And he definitely saw, yeah, a different kind of look for the U.S. men's national team. A lot more aggressive in the final third, a lot more key passes, a little bit sharper, a little bit quicker. Obviously, that has to play into Giacchini and his ability to be up top right to create that space for a, um, for himself. Uh, just an incredible debut for him. And then coming off the bench in the second half, Sebastian Soto, another guy who's also saying, hey, don't forget me. I can come off and score two goals. Um, very impressive for him. Uh Look, I, I hate to be on the Sebastian Soto hype train already because I know we've been talking about him for a while, but to come off the bench and score a brace, I guess, I mean, that's that's pretty incredible at the international level. I mean, it was good. I mean, I'm not going to take it away from but incredible <laughs> is a little strong. I mean, for one thing, the ball, the passes were incredible. Richard Ledesma, your boy from Phoenix, uh, delivered a pair of absolute gems to, to set up Soto. And, and yes, look, so if you're so... If you're Soto, you're definitely going to come away happy because I'm sure he's sitting on the bench there thinking like, man, this guy scored two goals. Uh, he's ahead of me. Like, like now he's even further ahead of me in the whole striker conversation. Um, but guess what? He go, comes off the bench, scores two goals, and uh, he's in there, man. And, and for, for Soto, he, he's got to get back to his club and continue to score goals at his club and, and play heavy minutes. I mean, he, you know, I mentioned it last episode, I think, you know, he's played 90 minutes once like at all ever in like on the club level, like he's got to play 90 minutes week in and week out and just, and just be that consistent presence and, and build himself up physically. Because when you, when you saw Soto and Giacchini, I mean, uh, Giacchini's a, you know, he's a physical specimen. So like he, he's got that strength and, and you can already, already tell that as young as he is, cause he's 20, right. He's 20 years old, but he's got a game experience. He's got first team game match experience. And you can kind of see that you see that savvy that comes with getting a lot of starts and he, and he's ahead of Soto in that regard. So Soto's job now is to go back to Telstar, continue to start week in week and week out and become a 90 minute play, player goal, a game player. So that come March when the, when the, when the European base players come back in that he, he's going to be one of those strikers. No, you're definitely right. Now the midfield, same starting three that we saw the last game, and, and I saw someone point this out that, you know, the U.S. is playing a Panama team that wasn't that good. And I get that, right? But the U.S. did what they needed to do, right? If you're playing an inferior team, you need to defeat them. And that's what the U.S. did in the first half. And I want to give props to Weston McKinney. We know how good he is. But if you go back and you look at all three of those goals that the U.S. scored in the first half, he had a hand in every single one, whether it was a forced turnover, whether it was a dribble, um, or, or, is it, or that final one when Adams played it into the box and Wes McKinney went to the back post. I mean, McKinney had himself a game in this one. And again, Ivis, we saw the quality 
of those three playing in the midfield. And it, look, it has to give us men's national team, uh, us men's national team fans, you know, a little excited to see that pairing of those three guys delivering again for a second game in a row. Right. No, absolutely. And, and I, what I would say about McKinney is it's funny because he won man. Of the, he, he was named man of the match by whatever us soccer thing they do. I, I don't even that. know who votes yeah, on that. I, I don't that. know if it's the fans who vote or what. And I personally, I like, I thought he did. I thought he did well. I didn't think he was man of the match. Um, but this match, he actually impressed me more. I mean, I, I, because I feel like he fit in, I feel like he didn't force things in this game. I feel like he really kind of picked his spots and really fit into the system and fit into, into the flow of the game a lot more naturally than in the Wales match where I definitely mm -hmm. felt like he was forcing it. Like, he, you know, you see him start trying to do spin dribbles and, and, and make a lot of <laughs> runs and take people on and he was forcing it. And, and again, Part of that, you know, it's not all on him. Part of that is also the lack of movement in the Wales match. In the Wales match, there was definitely moments when people just weren't yeah. making the runs and weren't running off the ball. And there wasn't enough of that movement. And, and clearly, Burhalter, in the days in between the Wales match and this match, he ingrained in his team, listen, for this system to work, for our system to work, you got to move, you got to run, you got to, you know, you got to time your runs, you got to see the space, take the space. Uh, and from that standpoint, since there was more movement, and better runs, uh, you know, McKinney, you know, he, you see not only his quality, but his growing intelligence as a player, because look, he's playing at Juventus now. He's playing at a, such a high level with such high level players now that that's only going to help him identify things and, and pick up things quicker. And if, from that standpoint, I saw that in McKinney in this match. I saw, I saw maybe his maturity or his maturation as a player that he can, you know, pick his spots and and find the right flow of the match. And and from that standpoint, that impressed me. But all the all the midfielders impressed me. Tyler Adams was great mm -hmm. once again, and Eunice Musa, man, he's. Uh, it's, it, I said it last episode, it's one of those things where you want to get excited as a, if you're a U.S. fan, you want to get excited about Yunus Musa, but you don't know who's going to play for the U.S. I will say this, it's not a coincidence that Greg Berhalter gave him a second straight start, because as I pointed out on Twitter during the match or before the match, he did the same thing with Serginho Dest, September of 2019, before Serginho Dest had made a decision Berhalter started him in both matches against Mexico and Uruguay. And at the time, I definitely remember people thinking like, well, why, you know, is he even going to play for us? He's not even going to play for us. Why are you giving him two stars? Blah, blah, blah. But listen, that that's a chance to, you know, put plant those seeds in his head. Like, hey, you know, this is cool. I can play with these guys. And, you know, does that mean that's why Serginho Dest chose the U.S. over the Netherlands? Not necessarily, but it couldn't have hurt. And with Musa, it's the same thing. Musa gets a second game with these guys, second game playing with Reina and McKinney with Adams and feeling that connection and and, and realizing, like, look, I like playing with these guys. So, uh, it, 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 you know, it's some little savviness by Greg Berhalter. And look, Musa is obviously good enough to start. But if you're the coach and you don't feel like you really have a chance that he's not going to play for you, do you do you burn these games, these precious games on a guy who probably is not going to play for you? That's a risk you take. But I think Berhalter, there's a little reading between the lines there. It's planting those seeds. And if Musa ends up choosing the U.S. over England and all the 58 other countries he can play for, you might look at these games and say Greg Berhalter was very smart to play him in both these games. I think he, I think he can play for four different countries, I believe. Yeah, well, definitely England and Ghana. Four, yeah. I mean, the Italy thing, he obviously lived in Italy for, I guess, nine years. But, I, you know, I, I don't know if that's set in stone that he definitely could play. But I don't think Italy is even in the conversation. I think it's pretty much England and then, you know, Ghana he can. But, I mean, I haven't really heard anything about him even considering Ghana. But clearly England's in the picture. Uh, and actually Garrett Southgate, the, the manager for England, was asked about him 
and he was he was definitely pointing out that look you know he you know we we you know he's someone who we like and you know you know he's in our plans but you know they're not ready to bring him in to the senior team to the England senior team and if you're Greg Berhalter you're like look that's perfectly fine if you can't bring him in we'll bring him in uh and you know he still doesn't have to make a decision anytime soon right i mean he's 17 still he has, he turns 18 later this month no. so he still has a more than a year uh cuz look they're not going to i mean I don't, there's no, I don't see a way that, that he's playing, he's going, you know, England's going to take him to Euros, right? So he's not going to get capped out anytime soon. Um, and he doesn't have to make a decision for at least probably another year, but yeah, if he right. keeps having these experiences with the U.S., I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to start liking the U.S.'s chances of, of him yeah. choosing the U.S. Well, plus winning helps, right? I mean, 6-1 victory, positive vibes all around. I mean, two, that's, 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 that's going to get, yeah, it's going to get people excited. It's funny you mentioned the age thing. I was thinking Reem had to have killed it. If he started like Chris Richards over Reem, that probably would have definitely been the youngest U.S. team. Yeah, probably, probably. But, also, you know, you got to have some Reem's, experience. Reem's flowing hair. Oh. <laughs> a lot going on right there. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's there to buy the beer. Uh, but uh, no, you know, I, one thing I would say, and look, obviously people, you know, with Tim Ream, I, you know, there's obviously people who feel like, oh, you know, get him out of there. Why is he even still around? Like, you don't need him. Uh, I, I do feel Weston McKinney uh, brought up a good point about Tim Ream earlier in the camp. I mean, really kind of, un, you know, unprovoked. He kind of brought up the point that, you know, it is important to have some of these older type guys in yeah. the in the squad because, Right now, when you think about it, you have guys who are "quote unquote" veterans, like Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams. Tyler Adams, yeah. No, no, but listen, they're veterans, quote unquote, right? But they're young. So if you're like, if you're Gio Reyna, if you're Eunice Musa, if you're if you're these seventeen year olds, right, seventeen, eighteen year olds, you're not necessarily going to listen to a twenty two year old and think, "Oh, you're like my, you're the same age as me. Why should I listen to you?" But when you when a Tim Ream talks or when a John Brooks talks, I mean, you know, like Tim Ream, I mean, he, you know, he, you know, he's a veteran. John Brooks, he played in the World Cup. So like there's that there is it. There is that respect factor. And that matters. And that helps in the locker room. Um, so I thought it, I thought it was interesting that that Weston McKinney made the point to, to say that, that there's value that, you know, they need those guys. They need some of that. You can't have mm-hmm. all 23 and unders. It can't just be a full U23 squad and i think sometimes uh, you know fans uh, they don't get that they don't get that you need a few of those guys well, because and remember this right? is, this is football manager right it's just start a bunch of 17 year olds you know their potential is 90 you know they're gonna it, get up it, there it, that's right if the, every team needs veteran players on the team who know how to grind out victories when the going gets tough that's the most important thing right the young guys i mean it, it sounds crazy but i always believe this that whenever you get to that professional level you have to learn how to win and sometimes it's not easy and some countries are very good at that countries that are consistently good know how to win even when circumstances are dire they know how to grind it out and sometimes younger players don't understand what it takes to grind out victories right tim reen been around he probably knows how to do that john brooks that's why you need these guys because they know how to buckle down and deliver when the going gets tough, that's the most important thing. And it's, I think that's awesome that McKinney also recognizes that too. I mean, you talk about the maturity a little earlier. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing with him, right? Is, is how aware he is of everything on and off the field too. I mean, the day's going to come obviously when those guys take over and yeah. and you already see it, right? You already see, I mean, Weston McKinney, I mean, he's not the captain, but you kind of almost feel yeah. like he's already the alpha. He's one of the alphas in the locker room and, and, the thing about McKinney is like, he's a playful guy. I mean, he's not like this super intense Roy Keane type. 
Um, but he has he has a presence about him, and, and I, you know, I thought it was pretty funny during the week. Uh, I saw I saw a video of uh, it was like him in the lunchroom, right? And uh, Adunzi, the six foot seven, you know, teenage goalkeeper, was there just sitting there minding his own business. And when Weston McKinney comes up from behind and just slaps him in the head for no reason, he's kind of like, Oh, I like your hair. And then he just slaps him in the head. And then, and then Adunzi gets up, he's like six, seven, towering over him. And McKinney's like, You're so big. And it's just like, you know, it's like, it's like that, that kind of hazing, that kind of like testing the waters, like, you know, it's like, you know, hey, I'm the alpha. I'm like, I'm yeah, at Inventus. Course, I'm yeah. like, I'm the I'm the big dog here, and I don't care if you're six seven. I'm gonna slap you in the head because I can, and because I need you need to know I'm I'm one of the alphas here. So, I mean, cool. I mean, that that's the kind of stuff that goes on in the locker room and in a team. And you need those veterans in there, like really a couple. You know, you need a couple of older guys. Are they necessarily gonna play when the when you know when the when the ammunition is live and when it's world cup qualifying is tim ream going to be in qatar tim i mean he might be an assistant coach in qatar but you know there's a role to play for guys like tim ream oh there definitely is and, and michael bradley too right <laughs> i mean I know. I'm that's a you know that's an interesting question i mean i you know <laughs> right now look tyler adams has got the defensive midfield position yes he does yes down. he does yes he does but he's got to stay healthy he's got to stay healthy because right now who else is there there's a big i mean you know Johnny Cardozo showed some, some, you know, he showed some things. He's, he's an interesting prospect. He has quality, but Tyler Adams is your locked in number six. And maybe now finally he can stop having to say, Hey, Greg Berhalter, I'm the six. I can play the, like, I'm waiting for him to show up with a t-shirt. Like that says, Hey, Greg, I'm a six in case you forgot. Um, but in these November friendlies, Tyler Adams, man, he just reminded, and not that he, people shouldn't need reminding. He's that good when he's healthy. He's just got to stay healthy, knock on wood, man, because he is a, he is a huge part of the whole setup because he does the work of two players. People don't realize the kind of engine he has and the type of work that he does all over the field. Um, we saw it in MLS. You see it even at, at RB Leipzig, and, and you could do when you can do it in the Bundesliga, you can do it anywhere. So like. Yeah. He's huge, man. He's a huge part of the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. If, if that, I, I know injuries happen and, and the chances of all three of those guys playing at the World Cup, right? It's a long way away, but if we can keep all three of them, especially the McKinney Adams pairing, love watching it. Now, for the bench, we did see players getting extended minutes in this week's and Monday's match compared to the one against Wales. You know, you had Tim Weah come off the bench, Johnny Cardoza, Richard Lezzi, we talked about him, Soto. Um, specials and Chris Richards came off the bench. You know, when when it came to the substitutes in the second half, Ivis, who stood out to you, and 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 kind of what were your overall thoughts on that? Well, Ledesma, man, Richie Ledesma, the Arizona boy, the Phoenix boy. He, uh, you know it. You know, he, uh, that's, and it was that's, funny. that's the problem. They need to call up more Arizona players because they always deliver, Ivis. Eh, always. Eh. Do they? I just I want to point out Ledesma is the eighth player from Arizona to play for the national team. I gotta say, for our state, as being as small as it is, that's not bad. Keeping track. Point that out. Nice. Of course. I, I have how to. Many, how many from Jersey, I wonder? Oh yeah. God, you guys are probably like in the fifties. <laughs> yeah, we're up there. We're up there. But uh, I would say yeah, no. thinks more. I would say California Jersey is more. California's oh. running away with it. Are you kidding you me? So? California okay. it's too it's yeah, no, it's a cheat code. I mean, you gotta California, you gotta split up between Northern California and Southern California to give sure. anyone yeah, else yeah. a chance. That's but true. outside of California, Jersey's, Jersey's gotta be got, Jersey's probably number two. Could be. I mean, I could be wrong, but Jersey's gotta be up there. I'm curious, yeah. Uh, but where are we we totally got off off the rails here. Uh, oh, Richie Ledesma. Richie Ledesma. Yes. Yeah, no, what was interesting about Richie Ledesma was he was one of the players 
made available to media the day before the game. And usually if you're ma- if you're available to the media the day before game, it's like 95% chance you're going to start, right? So it was Reggie Cannon and Richie Ledesma. And then Berhalter actually said yes on Sunday, Reggie Cannon starting. So at that point, you're like, oh, nice. Richie Ledesma is going to start. Um, but he didn't start. And, uh, you know, at the, but you understand, like I said earlier, Yunus Musa, you want to give him another start just yep. to kind of like plant the seeds in there. But credit to Ledesma, man. He came on and, and he looked so comfortable out there. And that's the thing about Ledesma is he, it, it's kind of along the lines of Serginho Destin that he does not get phased, man. Like he, he moves around the field. Like he's in a, like he's in training. Like there's no, he's not sweating it. You know, he came out there, he's delivering these perfect, perfect passes. And, you know, you see that quality that he brings to the table. Um, now, obviously, you'd love to see him get a chance to start, but he needs to, you know, continue to develop at PSV. He needs to break in and start getting minutes with the first team. He just has now started yeah. to kind of break through recently. But, you know, obviously, there's steps to it. So, you know, you go from getting in, finally making your debut, getting some appearances to becoming a starter. And that's obviously a huge jump. You're talking about PSV, very, very top team uh, in the Dutch league. So, but he has that talent, man. He has something special. And uh, hopefully he can continue to develop and continue to grow at PSV. So come March and come June. I mean, he's a player as crazy as the summer's going to be, right? Nations League, Gold Cup, Olympics, World Cup qualifying. It's crazy. There will be a role for Richie Ledesma on one of those teams. He is absolutely because he has that talent. So the question is now, you know, is he breakthrough at P- does he break through at PSV so he is there for World Cup qualifying or does he end up at one of those you know is he an Olympic player you know if there's Olympics and if there's Olympic well, you know who knows let's just assume there's Olympics yep. he can be an option there he can be an option for the Gold Cup so he's going to be somewhere this summer playing for the U.S. and uh, I look forward to it because he's he's a he's a fun player to watch. You're definitely right. And I, and I think for a lot of these players, right, we, like you said, I mean, we forget there's 17, 18, 19 year old kids playing for the men's national team and having good performances, having good performances for their clubs. Right. I mean, the team's set up right where, you know, knock on wood, fingers crossed. Right. This this core group of players can stay together for a couple cycles going forward. Right. You hope things change. Right. But 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 you want to get right. you see it. there. You see the potential. You see the talent. You see. No, the for sure. It's, it's this is what there. this is. This is one thing I'm going to say, and I, and it kind of dawned on me today, um, just because it it never fails, right? Anytime the U.S. or U.S. fans, ha- you know, start getting excited and start like you know a, a result like this, you beat you beat a pa- Panama six two, you know, admittedly not a good Panama team. This isn't yeah, even I don't even know if this is their full strength team, um, but it, without fail, you get some people like, oh, it's just Panama's B team, like who cares? Like this doesn't mean anything. It's like. I get it. Like no one's sit, no one's popping champagne. No one's popping champagne. But what I would say is there's excitement after a game like this. And there's excitement after this month, not because of these results, not because of this game. The excitement is because of what fans have been seeing from these players at their clubs. It's from seeing Gio Reyna crush it at Dortmund. It's from seeing Eunice Musa, you know, realizing he's in the U S mix now. Um, Weston McKinney, Serginho Dest, Tyler Adams. It's seeing all these guys performing at big teams in big leagues. So it's been building. This isn't a like, oh, wow, look, we would, we, you know, the U.S. beats Panama 6-2. That means we've made it. It isn't even about that. If anything, fans came into these matches wanting to finally see the group together after seeing them individually all impress and come together. And there's nothing wrong with, with, with believing or saying that this is the most talented generation the U.S. has ever had. They have, they have to go on and actually do it 
they have to go to the World Cup and play well and do well at the World Cup. They still have to do it, but I don't know how anyone can sit here and deny that this is the most talented generation the U.S. has ever had. When you have teenagers playing at high-level leagues, teenagers. I mean, back in the day, if there was a 28-year-old, 29-year-old player getting into the <laughs> Premier League, people were like, you know, throwing parades. Now you have teenagers starting. You have Serginho Dest. Well, he's 20 now. He's not a teenager, technically. Um, Serginho Dest is at Barcelona getting minutes. Like, this is this is why people are excited. So, uh, you know, no, but but I think you're right though, right? And I, and I think you hit the nail on the head right there. And I was just looking this up. I was thinking back. This is a long time. I can't believe this is eight years ago when the U.S. defeated Italy one to zero with Jurgen Klinsmann. Clint Dempsey scored the goal. And I remember thinking, right. I mean, the U.S. is on a really good run at that point, right? But the differences between that and you just mentioned it right there, right? Dempsey was killing it at Fulham. Nothing wrong with that. Trundle was, was at Hanover. Hated Again, nothing wrong right, with that, right? right? I'm not right. trying to hate on those, right? But there's right. a big difference between those clubs at the Premier League here versus where the current U.S. players are, you know, above my eyes here, right? There's a huge difference between the two. Nothing right. against those guys. They, that was a, and I, I miss a lot of those guys, right? Fabian Johnson. I mean, it was fun watching them, but it's, it's, it's different now, right? You have players, not, like you said, earning minutes, Champions League minutes, playing against the best clubs in the world consistently, that is so different than what we're used to for the U.S. Right. And not only that, like the young, you know, there was a time, you know, let's say you want to say 10 years ago where, I mean, there've always been prospects, right? There've always been these young players with promise, especially that would be, you know, whether they'd be on the U-17s or the U-20s and you'd hear about, and you know, and they'd showed glimpses. Um, but a lot of times those players wouldn't be playing for their clubs, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, they're in mm-hmm. Europe. Or even in MLS, like some guys in MLS wouldn't even be crushing at MLS, but hey, they're young. They could be special. (laughs) Difference is now, 10 years ago, those guys barely played or wouldn't play much. And now they all are playing. They're all playing as teenagers and crushing it. You know what? And even in MLS, like someone like Brendan Aronson, right? Brendan Aronson is a good example. So he, I mean, what is he, 19, just completed a a big money move. Um, He, is the playmaker he's the lead playmaker on the supporter shield winning team right for how many years did was i mean you would never even see a team have an american in the attacking midfield role an american in the playmaking role much less a 19 year old in that role crushing it playing at a high best 11 caliber level and that just shows you the difference that's what we're talking about now younger americans you know finding their peaks or not peaks, but they're hitting those levels much, much younger and younger and younger. And that's why now you're seeing some of them, you know, go over there and be ready to to take advantage when they get to Europe. So uh, it's, it's a great time. They obviously have to do it. They have to, they have to qualify for the world cup. They got to start winning things like the gold cup. They got to start sweeping things like Olympic qualifying. They got to go to the Olympics and get a medal. They have to live up to the hype. They have to live up to the potential because, you know, the, you know, it's still for now, it's still just potential as a, as a, as a full team, but us fans, you can get excited. This is not the same thing as 10 years ago or 15 years ago when it was, you know, these, these young prospects back then who weren't doing anything for their club teams, these guys are crushing it at the highest level. So you can get excited. When you when you mentioned that I was the only player, the first player that popped in my in my mind, young players, was Luis Gill from like back in 2011. <laughs> I think he was like 18 right. when he was playing for Real Salt Lake. But but no, you're right. Like, I, well, the, wait, so that's we what's could go funny, down right? Back, we, we, no, we, I know. But listen, back in the day, I'm gonna show you. Thing. I'm gonna show you what's different. What's different? Back in the day, 
you'd get a guy like, say, Eric Palmer Brown is an example, right? Yeah. Back in the day, people would go crazy when Eric Palmer Brown was linked to interest from Juventus. And that was like, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, however many years ago it was, there was a point when Juventus was interested in, in, in Eric Palmer Brown. as a, And he wasn't even starting for Sporting Kansas City yet, right? But that's what people would get excited about back then. Now, Weston McKinney plays for Juventus. That's the difference. That's how things yeah. have changed. So it's it's a whole new ball game, and people have a reason and a right to get excited because this generation just keeps doing it. And hopefully, they you know hopefully all all these players continue to develop and continue to take advantage of these situations. Um, and it, I I mean I'm I'm enjoying watching it because you know for so many years we saw young players, young prospects who just didn't live up to the hype. And and to and, and in the defense of some of them and a lot of them, you know, they it, it was not they didn't ask for the hype. They didn't say, hey guys, I'm you know, I'm gonna be the man, I'm gonna be, you know, amazing. No, like they just, you know, people were so desperate and hungry it for for the the you know the pro, the chosen ones, the the neos and the matrix, the the you know, the the one to deliver US soccer to glory finally. Everyone, you know, people waited for that for so many years. And does that, it doesn't mean this generation is going to win a World Cup. No, but this generation is taking it to another level and has that ability and that potential to, to take this U.S. program to a level it's never been at. I would love to go down a rabbit hole of old players that fit that description. Josh Gatt, yeah, I, don't I, wanna, video, I don't even want to throw YouTube videos some of these back guys. in the no, day. Let, you know, I that's the it. thing. I, I love that It's, it's so easy to – no, because so – I know. Because I still remember, you know, Jurgen Klinsmann, he never – he was never shy – about mentioning certain players and and he and he made he he had a good point when he was a coach when he would point out how a lot of times you know players would you know players would be treated as if they'd made it when they hadn't made it and that was a problem with US soccer and it was it absolutely yep, 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 yep. was so i mean you you know you had guys like you know and not to throw shade but you know Juan Agadello, Breck Shea you know, Teal Bunbury when he was younger. I mean, these were prospects when they were like closer to their, you know, when they were 20, U20 level, U20 age groups, mixed discarude. I mean, these, you know, these are guys who, you know, so much was expected or so much, you know, people, so much hype was thrown in these guys. And it, it was just, un, you know, unwarranted. And a lot of them didn't come through. Most of them didn't come through. Most of them didn't get anywhere near the hype that was put on them. And that's not their fault. It's not their fault that people just fell in love with the potential and the idea of them, you know? But now you have these guys, these, well, these kids. But people, were, but people were so desperate, though, Ivis. That's why. Right, right. That, here, here's Enough of the past. We don't need to get Omar, into the past. That was the one. past. Omar, Omar Salgado, that's another one right there. Hype was there. It's We could go down was a rabbit hype? hole. Of these was guys. there really Omar, Omar Salgado? Definitely. I don't know if Omar Salgado. I mean, he ago? wasn't. I, don't know. I feel like there was. I feel like there definitely was. Okay, we'll move on. We'll move on. Right. Because Greg Berhalter dropped some pretty cool news in a press conference that the U.S. men's national team is looking to put together a roster for December. Obviously, this would be mostly MLS-based players. Maybe some guys down in Mexico as well, too. But uh, look, if the U.S. could pull this off, Ivis, I mean, that, that would be a great way for the U.S. to end the year with these matches in the camp in November, potentially something in December. Yeah, no, if they, if they can do it, it'd be great. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, I know some people say, well, you know, it's been a crazy year. Haven't these players done enough? Give them a break. Give them a rest. Well, look, if you when you think about the MLS players, MLS players have not played a full season's worth of games, not by their normal kind of 
standard. And not only that, the regular season just ended, right? So half the, you know, maybe not half the league, but a good number of teams are, are already done. So from that standpoint, you have guys who are already going to have like more than a month of vacation under their belt before a December camp would even in theory begin. So I think it's great. I think it's a great idea. Now, what I wonder is, and what hasn't been kind of explained or, or, or detailed yet is, is it going to be a December camp and a January camp, or is it going to be a December camp instead of a January camp? And that's where I'm kind of curious where that goes, because there, it was not too long ago where people were kind of like, ah, oh, January camp, maybe they'll get rid of it. Um, but obviously even more now, January camp, I feel like has huge value just because, you know, there's so few opportunities now to see yeah. players um, that why wouldn't you do as many well, there's camps always a benefit, as camp- though. There's always right. a benefit but, to host a camp, but of right? Course, even, if, right. even if you call on 20 guys and you identify one player, that's a benefit for Greg Bolter and U.S. soccer, right? So to me, there's, there's always a benefit to identifying players, which is crazy to say, oh, you got to identify. Well, there's a big difference between the international level. So for me, anytime they can call players in, that's a good thing, man. You give some of these guys an opportunity. Sure. Well, it come, here's the thing, though. It comes down to, you know, you also have to do that whole fight with clubs because, if it were up to Greg Berhalter, you'd have a camp every month. You'd be of like, course, hey, yeah, camps, yeah. camps, camps every month, you know? But, you know, obviously teams are going to be like, oh, hold on. These are our players. You know, these are not FIFA windows. We don't have to let you take these guys. But obviously there's some give and take. And I know a very small segment of the populace might have taken issue with the fact that Berhalter didn't call in MLS guys for this November camp. Although I said from jump that it was totally understandable. But if by doing that, you can then have an entire camp in December, another camp, then that was an easy trade-off to make, right? Uh, And as many impressive and promising young players as there are now in MLS playing regularly and playing well, I mean, you can absolutely do two camps. And, and, you know, you're not going to have guys be in both camps more more than likely. But I think you having, you know, when you think about, you have the under 20s also, by the way, the under 20s are still, you know, there's going to be an under 20 World Cup next year. It's supposed to be. You have under 20 World Cup. You have under 23. You have Olympic qualifying. You have the you have the Gold Cup, which is going to be not the first choice uh, squad. So absolutely, there's a reason to have two camps. And there's enough talent in MLS now that you can have you can have two MLS camps. You have a, a December camp and a January camp and 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 have good players all over the, you know, at every position that can You're fill just asking camps. for it. Talent, enough talent for two camps, good players. No, it's, no. Oh, yeah, Twitter, of course. Twitter. No, absolutely. <laughs> I, I know. Ta- your Twitter, right your Twitter is going to blow up after this. If you're listening <laughs> and you think that's, if you think that's BS and you think it, it's, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous that that's the case, you don't watch MLS because right now in MLS, teams all over the league are playing young players more and more. So we're not talking about, oh yeah, bring 35 year olds, you know, all over the, you know, all, all old guys. These are just with young guys alone. I mean, under, you know, under twenties, under 23s. I mean, pick a rock, pick a squad. I mean, Cole Bassett, yeah. look, look at, you know, Jonathan Lewis, Cole Bassett, Colorado Rapids is an example, just one example. I mean, they, they've got a good handful of guys, Sam Vines, Cole Bassett, Kellen Acosta's making a, you know, career resurgence and he's worth a look. Mm-hmm. Keegan Rosenberry, that's one team. And they're not even the best team in the league by, by, by shit, a long shot, but they have a lot of interesting players. So I would love to see two camps. I don't know if it's going to be two camps. So that's, that's, that's the question. If the trade-off is December camp or January camp, 
I mean, I, you know, I'm hoping for a December camp just so maybe I can find, you know, go to a game and fi- and finally and and keep my streak alive of consecutive years with, you know, attending a U.S. game. And that's 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 selfish reasons, but I don't want to see. I want to see both camps because I'll 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 try to go to both camps. So we'll see. Yeah, I hope it happens. I hope at least one happens. One happens. Well, here's the okay thing, right? Here's the thing. December. What's going on is in December. Uh, Christmas. Uh, let's no. see what else. All we right. have uh, ODP pool training in Arizona. No one cares uh, about that. All right. Uh, <laughs> you, you have the MLS Cup final, right? But you also have the CONCACAF Champions League knockouts in Orlando. So you're going to have four MLS teams in Orlando. You're going to have NYCFC, Atlanta, Montreal, and LAFC, right? You're going to have all four yeah. teams down there. So if you if you have if you hold the national team camp in Orlando, I mean, there's opportunities there, right? I mean, you know, you get players who once their teams are eliminated, you could bring them in. You could have scrimmages. You could you know you can have all kinds of stuff. So I mean, obviously with the bubble, you know, what kind of bubble you're going to have set up? There's opportunities there. So I you know we'll see, man. Hope they hopefully they get it done because you know there's been after ten months without any games. You know, it's like these two games were like a tease. It's like, oh, oh, finally, oh, that's what it's like to have national team games again. Oh, we need more of this. So hopefully they get it done. Hopefully they get it done. I'm with you on that one. Well, that wraps up today's SPL rundown. Anything else you want to get into? Nope, that's it. Uh, I definitely want to say thank you to all of our subscribers because we have reached the 1,000 subscriber mark. And if you hear that and then unsubscribe to try to mess with us, then, then you're going to, you know, we're going to put a hex on you, but no, definitely. Thank you. That's a nice little milestone for us. It's, you know, it's one step along the way and and, mm-hmm, and we're going to mm-hmm. continue to, to bring you more and more content on the SBI YouTube channel um, along with obviously the, the SBI rundown, but uh, you know, thanks for all of you who have subscribed yet. And if you haven't yet subscribed, what are you waiting for? Maybe you can be part of getting us to 2000. So we'll see. Yes. Yeah. We do appreciate it. Everyone. It's uh, it's been awesome to see plus look, people of national team. So uh, hopefully, hopefully we have more games so we can keep talking national team. Oh, we're gonna keep talking, so. even though there's you know games are not. There's so much to talk about player pool, positional depth charts. We're gonna get into it. Obviously, MLS playoffs are around the corner, and we will di- we will dive deep into that. And I know them. I know MLS is not everyone's cup of tea, but we're gonna definitely dig into the MLS stuff and Americans abroad. How many Americans abroad are there now? There's more every week. There's you know some you know someone's being uncovered as an Americans abroad. So there's enough to talk about. Well. It, it's like you and I talked about, right? It was, it was, you could almost name it a second U.S. men's national team based off players in Europe who didn't get called up to this current team, right? There were tons of players even left out on this. So fun times to be talking about U.S. players, man, doing well. It's very fun. Yes, sir. Well, I guess with that, you, uh, you enjoy yourself this week and we'll have another show previewing MLS playoffs this weekend. So uh, there you go. Yes, sir. Yes. Well, I enjoy yourself. And again, like I've said, everyone, thank you for subscribing and we'll see you again on another SBI rundown. Thanks for watching.